0: wellness force radio episode nine
1: when something goes wrong it's not the thing that causes us emotional pain it's whether or not we're willing to accept and be at peace with that thing and to the degree that we resist that thing resist our reality is the degree that we create emotional pain Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now, here's your
0: host wellness force radio welcome back for another inspirational motivational and educational show i am your host josh trent and thank you so much for sharing a small part of your day to hang out in the car on a run or a workout wherever you are right now thank you my mission with this show is to find the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They're dedicating their lives to empowering others with knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. The show notes from today, as well as all the free resources are over at wellnessforce.com slash radio. If what we talk about today on the show means something to you or resonated with you, Please share it with friends or family that you care about. If you have any questions, send me an email, josh at wellnessforce.com. Now, let's get into the show. Today, I'm talking with Hal Elrod, a number one best selling author of two books, soon to be more. The first one is Taking Life Head On How to Love the Life You Have While You Create the Life of Your Dreams. And secondly, The Miracle Morning, the not so obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. Hal is a keynote speaker, an endurance athlete, entrepreneur, and coach. Coach. there's not much he's not doing but he's also a dad which is a career by itself Hal, welcome to the show
1: Josh dude thank you for having me man this is uh I appreciate the opportunity
0: I, I gotta tell you how I am loving this moment I'm pumped to learn from you I've had friends ask me about you since telling them about the miracle morning process so now with our recording I have another valuable resource to send their way so thanks again for coming on
1: Dude, it's, uh, the the, uh, the appreciation is mutual so you're you're welcome
0: How is the world today going for you? You're in Southern California, right? Did you grow up here? Uh, I I was born in SoCal,
1: moved uh, when I was five to NorCal, and then moved back here about five years ago uh, to be near my wife's family, which, you know, of all the places to drag me, uh, just just a little bit outside of San Diego was not too bad.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Yes, we have plenty of sunshine to go around. That's right. So, how before we jump into the Miracle Morning system and your achievements and accolades, I know you've been interviewed a ton on TV and radio. And, and what is one thing, though, that most people might not know about you? <laughs> that's a hard,
1: hard... I like, I'm an open book, so that's, that's a hard thing to share. What's something that people don't know about me? Give me... You might have to give me a second to think about this. Sure. Actually, I, here, here's an easy one. I was talking with my assistant today, who I've only been working with for maybe six months, and um, some, some, some. Oh, what was it? She was cutting out a label, a shipping label that she was going to tape on a box, and she was using the, you know, that what's that thing with the big arm that you know cuts straight
0: lines? With yeah, the, long the, the paper blade. cutter, right? Yeah,
1: the paper cutter, and she cut kind of one side off, and she was about to she she walked away, and I go, I, I can you give me that back? And she goes, okay, and she gives me the label, and I like. I cut the edges around it so they were even and I said sorry this is just something a little obsessive compulsive that I do uh, about you know and she's like oh I'm glad it's not me and then we went on to talk about all these random things we do like if I have a bite of cake and then a bite of ice cream but the ratio is not right I will immediately quickly go and grab more ice cream (laughs) so I've got these obsessive compulsive kind of idiosyncrasies the beauty of it is though luckily none of them are like made you know do any major psychological damage to me or my kids. they're all pretty innocent, yeah, uh, like the two that I just gave examples to but that that's something that uh probably people don't know about me. All right.
0: Well, thanks for that fun fact, man. You have quite the story. I actually finished your book up on the weekend and I just wanted to congratulate you on writing. I almost call it like this little mini pocket masterpiece. That's, you know, it's soft cover. I can put it in my back. I can go to the beach with it. So what a great book. Everybody needs to check out the miracle morning. I am not much of a morning person, Hal. And this book is really reminding me about some things that I had forgotten about. So thanks again for that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I think that the majority of people, in fact, I I know the majority of people that have had their lives transformed by the Miracle Morning and that Do It Every Day uh they they were not mourning people when they picked up the book. I did I did a survey a while back and we we're, we're nearing 100,000 people that are, you know, that have read the book, that are doing the Miracle Morning and it really is all around the world. We have people in every country I can you know, India, Netherlands, Switzerland, Japan, you know, you name it. And of course, here in the US, uh, Canada, etc. But I did a survey a while back and it was roughly 70% of my, the miracle morning practitioners never had considered themselves a morning person in their entire life. In fact, it was the opposite. It was like, I hate mornings. I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. And 70% now they, they're, they're totally morning people. And I, I'm one of them, by the way. And only 30% of the people that do the miracle morning were like, yeah, I was already a morning person, but I woke up and I just like check Facebook and check email or watch the news. I didn't really do anything to better myself and better my life. And that's where the miracle morning, you know, it took my morning and actually made it count.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Today's show is all about changing our behavior, what really works in doing so. So we'll discover how to be a morning person, which I'm still surrendering to, what uh-huh. tactics to change and help our limiting belief systems. Also, we're going to dive deep into how system for reprogramming the brain through his lifesaver process and the miracle morning, but how the powerful story that really sets the tone for your book and, and really for the life of achievement you've had was the, a story in 1999. Take us back to uh, when you were 20 years old, you were were driving your new car. You'd given this amazing speech. You were winning at life. Um, it was December, 1999. What, what happened in December, 1999?
1: Yeah, it was one of those things that you never, ever in a million years actually think would happen to you. You know, it's something that happens like you're on the news, you're watching the news, it happens, you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then you change the channel and you're watching a sitcom and you're laughing and you're like, thank God that didn't happen to me or anyone that I know. And what happened, I left this conference, I'd given this speech and I was driving home when a full-size Chevy truck, much larger than my, I just bought a brand new Ford Mustang uh, a few weeks prior and that's what I was driving. This full-size Chevy truck with a drunk driver behind the wheel was... Uh, headed directly at me at 70 to 80 miles an hour. And I was doing 70 miles an hour. So a a deadly head-on collision occurred. And I don't remember it. I don't remember the lights coming at me. I suffered brain damage instantaneously. And the worst was yet to come as my car spun off the drunk driver and the car behind me crashed into my door at 70 miles an hour. And so Anybody listening, just take a second right now and look over your left shoulder and imagine that a car is coming at you at 70 miles an hour and crashes into your door. And what you might imagine would happen was what uh, my car was crushed. I mean, almost smashed in half. The left side was smashed into the left side of my body. And instantaneously, I broke 11 bones. I broke my pelvis in three places. I broke my femur in half. I, you know, my eye socket was destroyed. I almost completely lost my ear. A puncture in my lung ruptured my spleen and I began losing blood. And an hour later when they finally, they being the rescue, you know, the paramedics, the fire department, they cut the car roof off to get me out. I had lost so much blood that I died. And I was dead for approximately six minutes on the side of the freeway while they worked, you know, tirelessly to revive me. They rushed me to the the hospital, where I would spend six days in a coma and undergo—I'm not even sure how many surgeries. I think it was eight—and uh, came out of the coma to face this reality that I was in this horrific accident. My body was broken and scarred and damaged, and the worst of it was I had permanent brain damage. And the doctors said I would probably never walk again. And obviously, it's—you it's know—there's it's, a lot to the story. But to keep mm-hmm. a long story short, three weeks later, after I had told my parents that there's only one of two possibilities. Either the doctors are right and I'll be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And I said, and if that's the case, I've already thought through it, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. Because the thing that for all of us is true is when something goes wrong, it's not the thing that causes us emotional pain. It's whether or not we're willing to accept and be at peace with that thing. And to the degree that we resist That thing, resist our reality, is the degree that we create emotional pain. So I thought, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, well, I'm in the wheelchair either way. I can either be upset about that and feel like a victim and say it's not fair and I don't deserve it. Or I can be the happiest, most grateful human being on the planet. Either way, I'm in a wheelchair and and it's my choice. I said, but mom and dad, I'm not putting my energy into that possibility. I've accepted that worst case scenario and and already imagined how I will make it as good as it could be. However, the other possibility is I will walk again and I'm putting all of my energy into that possibility. I've accepted the worst while I imagine the best and I visualize the best and I pray about the best and I think about it and I feel what it will feel like. And a week after that, so three weeks after the crash, two weeks after I came out of the coma, the doctors came in and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing at such a rapid rate. Hal, we're gonna let you take your first step today. And I took my first step that day and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history as they say,
0: wow, I I'm something that resonated really loud in my head was accepting, you know, accepting the worst, but imagining the best. What did that look like? I mean, that was, most people don't deal with an ordeal like that. Hal. so for you to have that mindset there, can you draw back on, on any of your upbringing or anything um, previous to that point that would have made you feel so powerful accepting the worst while imagining the best?
1: Yeah, there were really two things, you know, and, and by the way, you know, when I say that, when I tell this story, a lot of times people will go, gosh, I don't think I could have responded that way in that situation. That's how
0: I'm feeling. Yeah, totally. And,
1: well, let me tell you this. If you were, if, if we were, our roles were reversed and you were telling me this story, I can almost promise you, I'd go, dude, I don't think I would have responded that way in that right. situation, you know? So we really don't know until we're put in that situation. Right. But there's two, there's really two major events in my life that I can, or two really things that I can draw on. Uh, number one is when I was, Uh, eight years old. I had two sisters. Uh, My sister Haley was a year and a half younger than me. And my sister Amory was seven years younger. She was just a baby. She was 18 months old. And I woke up one morning to my mother screaming across the hall. Just my mom, me and Amory were home. And I woke up to her screaming. I ran across the hall and my baby sister was dead in her arms. She had heart failure. And uh, my mom, of course, my mom was distraught and broken up. My, My whole family was. But it was a matter of I think four months later or maybe six months later that my mom founded a a chapter of uh, a support group called Compassionate Friends for parents that have lost their children. And so I saw her turn this adversity into an advantage for other people, turn it into a way that she could help and serve others. Um, the second, so that for me, even though consciously, I don't think I was doing that. I look back, that's what I've done. You know I mean? Literally. And it was very quickly in the hospital. I told my dad, I think this is something I can use to help other people. I said, I always wanted to be a motivational speaker, dad, but I never had anything really difficult that I've had to overcome that I could share with people. Mm. I would have never asked for this, but that's what I can, I can point to and go, wow, this is that thing. And I said, but then the second reason is I had learned, and this is really actionable for people, really something you can start implementing every day. Uh, it's called the five-minute rule. And the doctors actually called my parents in about two weeks after the crash, you know, before I ever had been told I would ever walk again. And they called him in, They and they said, Mr. and Mrs. Elrod, we're very concerned with Hal. Now, physically, he's doing good. His vitals are good. He's healing. Mentally and emotionally, we believe that Hal is in denial because he's always laughing and joking and smiling. And they said, that's not normal. Not for a 20-year-old young man whose body is permanently damaged. He's being told he's never gonna walk again. He's got major scarring. He's got a metal rod in his leg, a metal rod in his arm, screws in his elbow, metal plates in his eye, right? Like that's it's what's normal for that type of situation is that he is scared that he's sad that he's depressed that he's angry and we believe that he's bottling up those emotions because it's so painful for him and so my dad came in that day to try to get to the bottom of how I was really feeling and he said "Hal, hey kind of explain the doctor's concerns he said how are you really feeling I know that when your friends are here you guys are you know you're reminiscing and laughing and joking but when the lights go out at night when it's just you and you're in your head and you're thinking about what happened and that you, you know, the doctors are saying you might not walk again. I mean, I know you're trying to be optimistic, but how are you really feeling deep down? Are you scared? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you angry? And I said, Dad, I thought you knew me better than that. Remember, I live by the five minute rule that I learned in my Cutco sales training which says it's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. When things go wrong, like you can bitch, moan, complain, feel sorry for yourself, whatever you need to do to feel the emotions that are coming up inside. But you set, literally, you set your timer for five minutes. And after five minutes of bitching, moaning, complaining, feeling sorry for yourself, you realize that as an intelligent human being, there is no value for you to continue to feel any of those negative emotions. The only intelligent choice to make is, okay, I accept what's now in the past. I can't go back in time and change it. The only thing I can change or control is blank. It's whatever is in your control. And that's where your energy goes. I said, Dad, it's been more than five minutes. It's been like two weeks. I can't change that I was in a car accident, but I can sure as hell choose to be the happiest person I've ever been before. And that's what I'm – I have so. if anything, this is giving me perspective on how much I have to be grateful for, right? Walking Mm -hmm. wasn't the only thing I had going for me in my life. Right. Like there was more to life than walking. I mean, granted, it was yeah, it was high on the list. I, I enjoyed walking, but, you know, that's the thing. And so um, that for me, it was it was that five minute rule that I applied and I use it all the time in traffic instead of getting, you know, instead of spending your time in traffic being upset, like what a pointless way of being in traffic right? Bitch moan, complain, go, gosh, darn it. All right. Can't change it. Might as well (laughs) enjoy the traffic. You know, if you miss a flight at the airport, I'm a, I'm a keynote speaker. So I'm at the airport all the time. And I see these people that just berate the gate agent, right? They just go on. It's like, dude, she, she has nothing to do with the flight canceling. Right. And the fact is the flight's canceled either way. So why be upset about it? How about you don't just, just enjoy the time at the airport. And I think that's the thing about life. When you accept the things you can't change, it gives you that space, that emotional freedom to choose how you want to feel and what you want to focus on.
0: One of the powerful quotes I've I read in your book is instead of complaining about how things should be, you embraced how things were. You stopped putting your energy into wishing your life or anything was different into wishing the bad things didn't happen and instead focused 100% on making the best of what you had. I think that is a huge message for anyone that's ever gone through any kind of travesty or trial or tribulation. Was that a focus for you for the rest of your life? I know you had actually talked about hitting rock bottom again and that was even worse can you talk a little bit about the second rock bottom
1: yeah it, it's funny when you say it's worse like whenever i tell people that i always get a funny look and they're like didn't you die the first yeah
0: what's drive? worse than yeah. dying <laughs>
1: they're like did you die longer like what happened so no i mean and i'm very sincere when i say it was more difficult for me mentally and emotionally to handle the second one and that was the u.s economy crashed in 2008 this is one that people you know usually can relate to a lot more than dying um but the U.S. economy crashed in 2008, and at that time, life was really good. I had built myself back up from the accident, right? I had hit Hall of Fame with my company. I had left the company and moved on to start my own businesses. I, I was a, uh, I had a successful coaching business, like success coaching, sales coaching, life coaching. I had written my first book, Taking Life Head On, which had become a number one bestseller. Um And, uh, and I had, I had launched my career as a a speaker, which that was my dream for, for years. So life was great. And then with, you know, income was good. So I had bought a brand new house, my first brand new house at the peak of the housing market, by the way. Right. Mm. Not, not the best idea. And then I bought my dream car, you know, or at least I mean, I didn't get a Ferrari, but I got an infinity two-door, you know, 300-horsepower sports car. And so life was good, and the economy crashed, and it, it it felt like overnight. It was really a downward, kind of six-month downward spiral, but I lost over half of my clients very quickly because they just simply were affected by the economy and couldn't afford to pay me. Then from that, I ended up uh, losing my house. I couldn't pay my mortgage. I went from being one of the, you know, like a Dave Ramsey student where I was debt-free, and I I, I paid off my credit cards every month to having to live on credit cards, I I had $53,000 as my credit card balance from zero to 53,000 in in about six months. And as a result of so much fear and uncertainty and the fact that life kept getting worse, I would try to like, okay, can't change it. Five minute rule. Okay. Then it would get worse. And then I would, okay. Like I just kept trying. and I just finally got to the point where I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle life getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse worse, despite me doing what I feel like is my best effort to turn things around. And everything I tried didn't work. It just kept getting worse. It was very discouraging. Whereas with the accident, like it couldn't get worse. So it's like, all right, I died. I'm like, I broke my bones. Time will heal my body. It will heal my brain. You know what I mean? So it was like, that's why I think it was so difficult. And so uh, to keep a long story slightly less long. Uh, I I took a friend's advice. I went for a run and I listened to a self-help audio. And that was his advice on, he said, Hal, if you want to turn your life around, you know, I had stopped exercising. I was in the worst shape of my life. I, you know, I canceled the gym membership because I was broke. And he said, Hal, if I were you, the best thing you can do is start every day with exercise. He goes, I would go for a run. And on that run, if you want to kill two birds with one stone, listen to an audiobook. Or he said, if you don't want to listen to an audio book, After your run, run home and you could just run for like 10 minutes, jog, walk, whatever, immediately come home and read a book. And he goes, then you'll be in a peak physical, mental and emotional state to start every day. And you'll gain new knowledge that you can immediately implement into your business or into your life. And I was like, "Ah, I hate running, but (laughs) I'll do it. And in the first morning, I heard a quote from Jim Rohn that became the catalyst to turn my life around faster than I ever thought possible. And I'll share this with your audience because this, not only did it turn my life around, I mean, this is what the Miracle Morning was born from. It was this philosophy that that fueled the Miracle Morning. Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. And in that moment, I realized that for me, as well as just about everybody who's not quite where they want to be in their lives, who I was. My level of personal development was not at a level 10, yet I wanted level 10 success in my life. My hmm. level of personal development, which for people listening, if you're like, well, what does that mean? What does personal development mean? Well, that, that's your, I, I define that as who you are as a person. Like your your level of personal development is your knowledge, skill, belief, physical, mental, and emotional vitality. It's like every aspect of who you are as a person. If you're not a level 10 person, you're not going to achieve level 10 success. And I was like a level two person at that time, right? Level three, maybe. I was a mess. I was scared. I was in debt. I was, you know, just, I was a mess. And I realized I've got to dedicate time every day to my personal development to become the person that I need to be to create the life that I want. And I'll, I'll wrap this story up with what happened, how the results kind of came into be. I went home, I spent an hour researching the best personal development practices known to man. And I, fi- I came up with a list of six of them. My first thought was, I've heard of all of these, <laughs> right? Like we're conditioned to want something that we've never heard of and thinking that must be the answer because otherwise, <laughs> if I already know it, I would be there, right? That's yeah. not true. It's, we don't do the things that we know. That's the problem. So I got over that. I'm like, all right, the world's most successful people do these every day, at least one of them. What's, and the second thought was, what's the best one? I want to do the best one. And the, the research, I, I went over the research and I was like, it depends on who you ask, right? You ask this one billionaire. He says it's meditation, right? Ray Dalio said meditation is the number one key to his financial success. He is a multi-billionaire. Then you ask Will Smith on Ellen DeGeneres said that his affirmations, his self-talk was the number one key to his success. So I'm going, hey, not, none of these is better than the other. depends on who you ask. And then it hit me. I went, wait a minute none of the research I've done has shown me anyone that's done even half of these, let alone all of them. What if I did all of them? That would be like the ultimate personal development routine. I woke up the next morning, I did all six, and at the end of the, that hour, I, took an, I did it for an hour, my whole life changed because I realized, wow, even though my life is a mess right, there, right now at that point, I felt so motivated and inspired and energized. My confidence was up. My beliefs were up. I gained some knowledge I could apply to my life, my business, and I went, if I start every day this way, It's only a matter of time before my life turns around to reflect who I'm becoming. And it was less than two months. This is the end of the story. It was less than two months. I more than doubled my income. I didn't get a new job. I didn't get a promotion. I didn't change careers. I just simply through the confidence, the knowledge, what I was gaining in the morning by starting every day at a level 10, I, 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 it allowed me to create extraordinary progress each day. I doubled my clientele within two months. I doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life, having not exercised for six months to deciding, you know what? I want to really challenge myself and who I'm becoming with the Miracle Morning. I'm going to run a 52-mile ultra marathon. I thought, I hate running, so who I would have to become to follow through with that commitment, I don't even know who that person, I've never been that person, and five months later, I ran 52 miles in one day, and maybe most importantly, my physical and emotional, or my mental and emotional well-being, going from being depressed and scared, and I mean, I just hated waking up every morning, to that first day, it wasn't even two months later, it was day one, I had a whole new lease on life. I was hopeful. I was optimistic. And my depression took a backseat. It wasn't even there. It wasn't even depression anymore. It was just kind of like a, I'm over it. You know, I'm ready to take my life head on. And because my life transformed so fast, I started calling it my miracle morning. And I told one client, she had amazing results. I told all my clients. And then I went, gosh, dang it. I have to write a book now. Like (laughs) I have a responsibility to share this with the world. And it took me three years to get over my fears and insecurities of writing that book. I finally wrote it and now it you know it, it is what it is and I'm I'm in awe of how many people's lives are transformed from people that are struggling to multimillionaires
0: based on the Miracle Morning. So powerful. People are actually doing 30-day challenges, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that and that's actually a big part of why it's sticking. I in the book I talk about the psychology of creating habits and why most people fail at changing a habit or, or adding a new one into their life. And I gave this, you know, just, I just gave my, my take on all of this from all my research on habit change. And, and I put a 30 day challenge. And I think that's why it's becoming such a lifelong habit. For, I mean, we have people that are on like, they're, you know, three years in a row of doing the miracle morning. Like they're on day 1052, you know, like it's crazy. Oh. Um, and that's, I think that's a big reason why is I taught people how to, in 30 days, change any habit. And the first one that they take on at the end of the book in their 30-day challenge is, of course, of course, the miracle morning.
0: Yes. Let, let's go through that. I don't want to spoil it because the book is amazing, but I'll just run through the six. The first is silence, then affirmations, visualization, and exercise, reading and scribing or journaling. Those ones were the ones that you had cultivated from, as you had said, the interview with Will Smith. And and did anyone else contribute to these savers principles that you have? Or was it those people that you had watched on TV?
1: I mean, it was it was research online. Like when I that very first morning, I Googled I just Googled phrases like, what do the, what do successful people do every day? I Googled phrases like best personal development practices. And it was from all these sources of I was, um, you know, reading articles on Forbes and, and entrepreneur.com and com. And I'm seeing videos on YouTube and right. I'm just and it was basically this list of six that kind of were cross referenced as the six that most people did each day. Gotcha. Um, And and by the way, it wasn't an or it wasn't an acronym. Like I said in the beginning, this was never going to be a book. It wasn't called. It had it didn't have. Wasn't the Miracle Morning. Like I sat down, I'm like, I really want to write a book. You know what would be a good one? It was no. Mm -hmm. It was like this changed my life. And then the Savers. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was writing the book, and the six practices were not as you just said them. They were meditation. You'll notice there's not an M anywhere in the acronym Savers. Right. Right. That became silence. Um, and then the rest were the affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading. And then the final S was journaling. And so there was a J and an M that didn't fit. And it was actually, I was, one day I was writing the book and I'm like, sw- I told my wife, I'm like, sweetheart, I, I, I'm so frustrated. Like, I need a way to organize these six practices. So they like, they make sense and they flow. And she goes, why don't you get a thesaurus and make them into an acronym? And I was like, you're brilliant. Yes. And And, and here's the, you know, the interesting thing about it is I could not think of a better acronym because these are literally the six practices that are virtually guaranteed to save you from missing out on the life that you are capable and destined and really want. To live. I mean, it, yeah, to me, it's the, it's the ideal acronym.
0: And this 30-day program where there's accountability with community, I mean, human beings, we are tribal elements. We are not meant to live life alone, leaning on community and other people. That is a huge factor of success. There's, you said there's 100,000 people that are doing the 30-day challenges through Facebook right now?
1: Um, no. Well, we, I mean, we've got in our, basically I'm going off of, so I should clarify that. So I've sold about 85,000 books. So technically 85,000 books have been sold. Obviously everyone's under in the miracle morning. So I think I misspoke there, uh, which I was not intentional. Um, we have 16,000 members of the Facebook community and I've never seen, I've never seen an online community that is like this. In fact, I've had New York times bestselling authors reaching out to me going, how do you get that much engagement in your community? Like your mm-hmm. members, you know, they 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 say they've never seen anything like it, and neither have I. And it's not I, like I'm I'm a I'm a observer now. I don't I use, I started it, mm-hmm. but now it's 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 grown it's a it's grown beyond anything that I I can even keep up with anymore. You know, people are I've seen new people come in and they're like, hey, I'm new here and I'm new to the Miracle Morning and I could really use some support. I have a question for everybody. By the end of the day, that new person that no one knows, they'll have. 30, 50, 70 comments, people giving them thoughtful advice. Like, it, it's really, really neat.
0: That is awesome. And let's talk about these people. You know, these are. A lot of them, before they started this process, were the typical average you know, American, 20 pounds overweight, 10K in debt. They disliked their job. They had one close friend or less. I want to read a quote that fits perfectly. It was in the book, and you had found something from the SSA, the Social Security Administration. They looked at 100 people's working careers. Yep. They followed them for 40 years, and they they know that from these 100 people – That it would be about 36 would die, 54 would be broke and dependent, four would be financially secure, and five would continue to work, not because, you know, they wanted to, but because they had to. What do you think is the cause? If there was one or two key points you could, you could say about people's behavior that puts them into these categories, what are the, what are the takeaways as to why Americans end up in this position?
1: Well, I will say this. So there's a chapter in the book called the 95% reality check where I go through all of the causes of mediocrity and how to overcome them. So I just wanted to mention that. But for there, there's a few things. Um, a few, in terms of the, what are the main causes, uh, one of the big causes is what I call rear view mirror syndrome, right? Which is where we we have this rear view mirror, uh, metaphorically speaking, in our subconscious mind where we, every time, every day, every moment of the day, every choice, every decision, every thought, every feeling, We tend to check our rearview mirror and create our identity out of who we were, not who we are or could become. So when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, here's a great example. Alarm clock goes off in the morning. You literally, even if you're 90% asleep and you're not even opening your eyes, you check the rearview mirror and you go, what do I usually do when the alarm clock goes off? Oh yeah, I hit the snooze button and I waste the morning. I start the day with procrastination. I start the day with a lack of self-discipline, right? So, that's one of the big ones is all people that, are, that, that broke out of mediocrity and went from being average to extraordinary uh, or you know, struggling to successful, whatever you want to call it, they at one point decided to kind of flip that rearview mirror up to the ceiling and go, it doesn't matter who I was, who can I become? And they, they create a vision for their life, not based on who they've been, but who they want to become and who they're committed to becoming. So that's the first thing. Another thing that is kind of, you know, I've never heard it talked about before is what I call isolating incidents. It's kind of one of the most, you know, the not so obvious causes of mediocrity. And we do that when we mistakenly assume that each choice we make and each individual action that we take is only affecting that particular moment or that circumstance, so for example, you might think it's no big deal to miss a workout, right? It's just one workout or procrastinate on a project or eat fast food because you get a do-over tomorrow. But you make the mistake of thinking that skipping that workout only affects that incident, but the problem is nothing can be further from the truth because every choice we make, it programs our subconscious mind to be okay with making that choice again. And that's good, that, that, that can work for us or against us, right? Mm-hmm. When you do things that don't serve you, Every time you do it, it becomes easier to do it again and again and again and again. So we can't isolate incidents. We have to realize that hitting that snooze button, the first thing that we or put it this way, when the alarm goes off in the morning, that's our first opportunity to either have self-discipline and get out of bed or to become the type of person that doesn't have the discipline to even get out of bed in the morning, let alone everything else we want to do for our lives.
0: Mm. How I'm curious, you know, hearing your story and, and your perspective on why people don't change. I mean, in my own life and from working with 10,000 plus clients as a trainer, and I've seen many experiences in myself and in clients that trip people up on their road to self mastery. Has there been any key commonalities or anything that you hear from people more often than not like excuses or reasons as to why they can't change that seems to be something you hear across the board or there are three or four different things that people say as logical or or illogical reasons as to why they can't change.
1: Well, I'll say specific to the Miracle Morning. Um, I think the biggest hang up for people is that I'm not a morning person, and I think I mentioned earlier it's you know it's 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 most people that do the Miracle Morning. They weren't morning people before they did it, and there's an entire chapter in the book dedicated to how to beat the snooze button and become a morning person if you've never been one. And I think that that's you know there's kind of the underlying uh, theme of the miracle morning is it's turning more people from going, I've never been a morning person to, wow, I wake up now with purpose and with discipline and with passion, if you will. Right. And I, 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 every morning I become a, I dedicate time to my personal development. Therefore I become a better person, a better version of who I was when I went to bed the night before. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to touch on one thing that you mentioned earlier is that the, the miracle morning, how it can help the average person who's 20 pounds overweight or, you know, not happy with their job or whatever. Well, that was originally kind of my intention is this is for people who to go from average to extraordinary, from, you know, mediocre, right? To make that leap. But what I've found has been really eye-opening for me. It's how many people that are very successful have used the Miracle Morning to take their success to levels it's never been at before. And I'll give you one example. I'm sure you've heard of Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Absolutely. So Robert Kiyosaki said the Miracle Morning has changed his life. He's read the book three times. When I talked to him, he had me on his radio show a few weeks ago. I had no idea when he had me on. I was stoked to be on. And then he goes off on how I've read the book three times. I'm on day 60. It's changed my life. Everyone needs to read this book. And I'm going, okay. Robert Kiyosaki, I'm like, what? I, I mean, I was in disbelief. I was like speechless. And I've seen a lot of other people that are already millionaires that the Miracle Morning has changed their life. But no, I, that's probably the most successful person that I know of. You know, he's a multimillionaire. He's already 65 years old. Like he's lived a full life. He's read, I think, thousands of pers- of the. He's read every book. So for him to read it three times, it was just this eye opener like, wow, this there's not a person on earth that I could imagine that this can't help take their life to the next level. He does the savers every single day, he said. And actually, here's a quote from Kiyosaki. He said, doing the lifesavers every day um, is like, what did he say? It's uh, I might slightly miss a word, but he said, it's like pouring rocket fuel into my mind, body, and spirit. And he also said, the savers... Have been around for you know forever, and he said the world's most successful people do usually one or maybe two of these. He said until the Miracle Morning, until I read the book, I've never seen anyone that had put them into one system. And he said they're part of my daily life now. So I was like, I, I'm still. If you can't tell, I'm like still in awe and excited, and you know, yeah. about Robert Kiyosaki. I mean, he's like a hero of mine. I mean, I read his book, you know, probably ten years ago. It changed
0: my life. Yeah. And this book too, and I'll go ahead and link everything in the show notes so people can get it easily. I know you have a new book coming out too, right? The Miracle Morning for Sales People. It's called The Fastest Way to Take Yourself and Your Sales to the Next Level. There is a free chapters link, right? That people can go to. Yeah. So if people, I don't want to give too many URLs here,
1: but if you want to buy the Miracle Morning book, you can get it on Amazon and you can do, you know, Kindle or uh, paperback or audiobook. right? That's all on Amazon. If you're an iBooks reader, you can get it on iBooks. Um, the Miracle Morning for Salespeople is coming out uh, soon, and you can go to, I believe the website that we have it at is themiraclemorning.com forward slash salespeople. So if you want to pre-order, I'm not pre-order, sorry, get the first few chapters of the Salesperson book for free, which by the way, thats it's like 90% different than the original Miracle Morning, which I've had people ask me, is it the same, just slightly tweaked? No, it's, it's a totally new book. Only the first probably 10 to 20% is summarizing the Miracle Morning and the Lifesavers, but even that is saying, here's how you apply the savers if you're a salesperson. We give you affirmations for salespeople, et cetera, et cetera. So on um, the miraclemorning.com forward slash salespeople to get the first couple chapters of the salesperson book, you can pre order it on Kindle right now on Amazon and the original Miracle Morning book, which, I mean, that's where I'd start. If somebody's new to the Miracle Morning, I'd start with the original. And if you're a salesperson or a business owner or an entrepreneur, then I would follow it up with the salesperson book because the nothing's gonna replace the depth of you know that we that we cover in the
0: original book. Awesome. And then people can also see you at yo which is an awesome URL, by the way. And you <laughs> have an iTunes podcast, Achieve Your Goals podcast on iTunes. You you have a ton of episodes on there, which I'm gonna be listening to later. Hal, thank you so much for coming on the show today and inspiring what I think is gonna be hundreds of millions of people if they can just get this book in their Hands and myself. I mean, you reminded me of a lot of things in my life that I wasn't living up to the promises that I was giving to myself. So, thank you for that and for inspiring myself and and everyone who's listening.
1: Ditto. Uh, you are very welcome, Josh, and thanks for having me and thank you for your leadership and and this podcast and uh, you know leading the way and, and impacting people. I really appreciate
0: it. Awesome, man. Hope to meet you soon and uh, have a good rest of 2015.
1: Awesome, and I'll look forward to seeing you and everyone else in the miracle morning community on facebook everybody i hope you guys come join and check it out thanks hal take care
0: thanks for listening to the show head on over to wellnessforce.com radio for all the links show notes and bonus content if you're interested in changing old habits with new technology download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com radio